Welcome to the Sales Lead Dog Podcast, hosted by CRM technology and sales process expert, Christopher Smith, talking with sales leaders that have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Listen to find out how the best of the best achieve success with their team and CRM technology. And remember, unless you are the lead dog, the view never changes. Welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Today we have joining us Bob Marsh. Bob, welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Thank you very much. Great to, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk to you, Bob. Bob, tell me about your current role and your company. Sure. So, uh, so uh, my current role is I'm Chief Revenue Officer for Blue Water Technologies Incorporated. So, uh, Blue Water uh, has been around for about 30 years, uh, well over 30 years. So, family-owned business uh, based here in Metropolitan Detroit. Uh, wonderful culture. You know, great people. It's you know one of the things that really drew me into the company. Uh, I tell people the story like I was interviewing and talking, and then I went to dinner one night with the owners as we were going through, and I left, and I called my wife. I'm like, I have to go work here. These are just amazing, wonderful people that you don't come across all the time. So, yeah. um, so we're we're in the bit we're we're largely in the audio visual business. Um, we have what, four different key divisions of the company. So one is uh, audio visual integration, where you permanently are installing audio visual equipment uh, into a corporate office, then conference rooms. You know, today, these days, a lot of video collaboration that we're setting up for companies, for remote workers, et cetera. Um, we do large scale arenas. So Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. Uh, we did a big LED wall makeover down in Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, we worked at the forum, we worked at several other, so, you know, could be, and also higher education. So universities, we just did a massive uh, upgrade at Michigan State University to allow their, their classrooms to do remote teaching, that sort of thing. Another big division is uh, live events. So that's, of course, changing during COVID, but, you know, normal times, like big, large scale events could be Walmart's annual supplier convention with 5,000 plus people down to a small little sales kickoff that has 20 to 50 people. So we're doing all the technology, the labor, everything to kind of run that show with extremely high production value. Um, so these days during COVID, we've actually been doing an enormous amount of virtual events. So uh, we work with, you know, great clients like, um, like, uh, like, Bridgestone and um, uh, you know, got the virtual events, Ford Motor Company, Anheuser-Busch, like the list goes on, like doing big, large scale virtual events online, high production value, using our own platform, our own software platform to do that. We've also got a retail division, fixtures, displays. Uh, we even invented a new uh, cart cleaning system, just like for shopping carts, luggage carts, using U uh, UV technology. And then we also have another studio division, which is high-end fabrication, think like museum grade, corporate welcome centers, that sort of thing. So a very well-balanced company. It's almost like four different companies. Right. Um, I run sales, and each of them has their own sales team. And so I'm I'm a, a head of revenue and sales over all those independent divisions. Um, so, you know, it's, it's great because we have nice balance depending on ups and downs of the market. You know, we can support people in any way possible. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, it, it is, I think what you guys are doing is really fascinating. There's a lot of really cool aspects to mm -hmm. what you guys do. Yeah, thank you. It's we get we get part of some very exciting projects, you know, big high profile things like right. you know, we did for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway to, you know, we do all the auto shows for all General Motors brands like, you know, just this big exciting stuff that people see. Yeah. Uh, we did a big Call of Duty esports project last year. We did the Sundance <laughs> Film Festival like, you know, we do mm -hmm. get involved in cool stuff and then, you know, really the world of audiovisual integration now is getting a lot of attention because of the remote workforce and, you know, the the importance of quality cam 
cameras and sound systems to do this all effectively and collaborate, whether we're in the same room or we're across the country. Yeah, that's awesome. So thinking back over your career, um, which you've had a pretty cool career, what do you think has really contributed? What are the three things that have really contributed to your success? Mm -hmm. um, I would say, so it's a great question. So one is, um, I, I learned early on uh, in my career the importance of listening. Um, and, uh, and I learned that from my dad, especially. Like he and I worked together early in my career and you know, I, I, always, I observed him and like, he was a wonderful listener. Um, I would say an active listener um, and, and really asked wonderful questions. Like that's kind of something I think is really important to learn how to do. How do you ask great questions? Um, you know, we used to, he used to always say that people love to talk, so help them talk. So when you're asking questions to allow people to talk and kind of open up. And so, you know, I kind of learned that naturally probably since I was a kid, but especially we worked together. So um, that was really important. Um, uh, you know, other stage of my career, you know, I learned the importance of being um, proactive. So I always kind of thought of it as like, I learned to be a proactive seller, um, meaning that, you know, I wasn't always waiting for someone to come to me with, a, with an idea. Like I was willing to go to them, hey, I got an idea. Here's something we did for somebody else. You know, helping, I feel like that sales is about leading people through a buying process, not selling to somebody. Right. And so, so I kind of look at it as a, as, a, as a salesperson, your responsibility is to almost be the shepherd through this, through the buying process, right. helps make the right decision, which of course you want to be in your favor, you know, but you can't be afraid that maybe it's not right for you. And if the customer genuinely feels that you're genuinely care about them making the right decision, which may be for you or a different change of the way you scope it or price it, like that goes along, that goes a long way. Um, the, um, uh, and I'd say probably, probably the third thing is the importance of, of coaching and developing people. So, um, you know, again, if you, if you generally care about helping other people, you know, as you get into management, um, that, you know, you really care about how do I help develop other people's skills so that I can make, you know, the whole organization stronger. So one of the things I think I, it hit me early on in my career as I observed many others and myself and those who were successful or not successful in management is that I like to say that, um, some people want to get into management to have power. Other people want to give into, get into management to give other people power. And that's, that's a very clear difference. And you can tell people who want one versus the other, and then who's, who ends up being successful in doing so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, who has had the most impact on your career? Well, you know, gosh, it's, I don't think I can pin it on one person. So, so I'll, I'll maybe give a couple. So my dad, who I talked about, you know, big, big help kind of putting me in the right direction early on. Um, I, I would say then uh, I worked at a company uh, called E-Prize. It was a wonderful, wonderful um, stretch there. Um, I had a great uh, boss. His name was uh, Keith Simmons. Um, and he, um, he helped me kind of develop myself. Like he, he kind of, I think, saw some skills in me and helped he figured out how to get them out of me, I would say. So like, he really kind of, you know, I, went, I had made a big inflection point. Like he kind of gave me confidence. He pushed me, he encouraged me. Um, and um, I, he just made a big difference in kind of, I think getting some swagger, as you like to say, like kind of get some swagger in your step and it makes a difference. So, um, mm. so that was definitely a big one. So I, I could go on about the, the amount of people that, that made an impact. So, but those are a couple. That's terrific. What part of those people that have really helped you do you try to emulate? Do you find yourself doing that? Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I do. And it's why I, I kind of, there's, you know, again, I could go on. I mean, there, there's, there's a number of people that I emulate, you know, a, a day to day or, you know, learn so much from take little bits of them. So, um, you know, there, the, the, another, another one, he was the founder, a founder of E-Pres, I just talked about his name, Josh Linkner, very famed speaker, public speaker, investor, et cetera. And, you know, he, I've learned so much from him early on. It was one of the people just very caring, nurturing, develop a great company, wonderful salesperson, wonderful presenter, you know, and I think a, a lot of those things I learned, I learned from him. Um, you know, I had another, you know, it's funny, his, 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 um, the person who took on his role after he left, a guy by the name of Matt Wise, like a very logical, creative, innovative person, um, you know, and I saw him always kind of lead with kind of calm and strength. And I learned from him. So yeah, there, there's an, I, I, sometimes I catch myself I'm like, oh, I was just acting like this person or that person. <laughs> you add it all up over time. And it's like, you never want to like copy someone. You got to be yourself, but right. you hope you learn from people over time and you get little bits of what they do and they add up to who you are. Right. It sounds like you really look for opportunities to learn from others. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'd say, you know, it's funny. I sometimes think that it's a, it's a overall strength, but sometimes a fault. Um, you know, I'm always like trying to listen and learn and read and, you know, and there's always kind of an important balance. Like, yes, I definitely, you know, I had, especially when I ran my own company, I, I created a, a company called Level 11. I was the founder and CEO, grew that company, sold it. Um, and we had an amazing board. I mean, unbelievable people. And like, I was just so drawn to these people to learn from them. Um, and I learned a tremendous amount. And so what I mean by like the careful balance, like you always want to be looking for guidance and insight, but also you have to learn like to trust yourself and just go with it. Right. Um, and so that's something that I also learned is like, you can't always be constantly looking for what should I do? You know, what was someone's advice? You gotta be like, Hey, just, you got this, like, you know, just yep. trust yourself and go for it. So, yep. So when you're developing sales teams, how do you translate everything you've learned over your career? You know, how do you like to structure that and, and transfer that knowledge you have to your team? Mm -hmm. So I would say first, uh, the most important thing. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I did when I got here to to Blue Water. So um, that was, uh, it was um, well, coming on three years ago. Um, and I created a, 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 a 30, 60, 90 day plan. And so it's a it's a radically simple concept, but also incredibly difficult to stick to. Um, because when you come in, you're like, oh, that's wrong. I want to fix that. Oh, that's wrong. I want to fix that. Oh, I have an idea. This will work. So, and you just can't do that. Um, two reasons. One is like, don't give yourself so much credit. Like, you know, you've got to, you got to learn things before you really know what you're going to do. Second is that, um, you know, you need to make people know that you understand, you know? So, um, so, so what I did is that the first 30 days was purely like listening. It was like my function is I'm going to, I'm going to talk to as many people as possible inside the company, outside the company, customers, vendors, and of course, team members, and just listen, like just the only purpose is listen, tell me about this, tell me about that. How does this work? How does that work? Where do the leads come from? What's the sales process? What happened? You know, just really probing deeply. Right. Um, and trust me, immediately you'll have like, oh, I got an idea. Oh, I got an idea. Just like, just zip it up. Just listen, listen, listen. Um, then spend the next 30 days figuring out, okay, well, I'm going to take everything I learned. I'm going to start I'm going to start formulating a plan for what might I want to change or adjust. Um, I think it's important. Like you can easily, I'm just going to blow this all up and start all over, but like that's, you'll, that'll never work. Um, typically I shouldn't say never because, right. but um, start formulating a plan, start running it by people, you know, get their buy-in, get their thoughts. Like, Hey, what if we did this? What would happen? Like, so just again, a whole 30 days, like really thinking about proposing things, getting people's feedback, having them part of creating that, helping them jointly author it with me. And then, 
and the next 30 days is like, okay, let's go. So what happens is that that was a, that was just a, a great process. So it helped me kind of get through it. It was very visible. I told everybody, this is what I'm doing. I'm spending 30 days doing listening, 30 days kind of orchestrating or starting to plan 30 days implementing. Right. And so you, you realize, and I saw, I've seen it. I saw another leader do this where I kind of learned that approach. And it's, it seems like, God, it takes so long. Like, why don't you just go move forward with what you think we should do? The, the reality is that is like really fast. So because it's done carefully and methodically in the long run, you get so much accomplished so much faster. Yep. And so by applying that here, I think it made a big difference. And so, you know, some of the main, some of the big things I think in, in today's modern world of mark, sales and marketing, um, some of the things that we did were, you know, one is we got, um, we created a really strong demand generation team, like I mean, demand generation is like the new marketing, right? So it's all about right. how do you like tangibly you know, go find business and bring leads to you, you know, having a good strong measurement system and a CRM to kind of manage all your metrics, figuring out what those operating metrics of sales are and having a system to measure them. Um, and then last, like get the sales team aligned in terms of the way they're organized, the support team around them, the incentive plans, like getting that all kind of organized in the right way. So that's what I did here. I think it's probably going to be, would be a common approach in other places, but you know, again, every company is a little bit different, but that 30, 60, 90 day plan was, was a great way to start and fits anywhere. And using that approach thinking as you were talking, um, it's very consultative. Um, you're giving people time to get used to you without just coming in and just firing from the hip. Yeah. And you're not whips on people. You're being very intentional on what's going to move the needle. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's a, that's part of it. It's, it's really, I think it communicates that you're a listener. It communicates that you want to do this together. It communicates that like, I'm trying to learn and understand first. Um, then I will kind of share my opinions and what we're going to do. Um, so I think, I think that's important. I think that, um, you know, and, and I'll tell you, one of the other things I actually did is I did the opposite of that too. And I think this is this is one I learned from Josh, like kind of you do then kind of try the opposite. So before I even started, I came up with what do I think I'm going to do? Like, this is what I think this is what's going to happen. Right. It's really the advantage there is, and I just kept it to myself. It was just like, right. here's what I think I'm going to do. I'm going to move this here, move that there. We're going to change this. We're going to change that. And it's like, and it, the, it's actually very healthy because you have a clean sheet of paper because yeah. you don't, you're, you're so ignorant to everything. Like what a wonderful time to take advantage of because you're not clouded by anything. Right. So I just said, I'm just going to write down what I think that I'm going to do right now. And of course, I'm just going to put it to the side, but at least gets me starting to think about what I might want to do, but I'm not, I'm, I can't prescribe that because I, I haven't, I haven't diagnosed anything yet. Yep. So that was actually really helpful. Um, I, I would say, I would say that um, it, when I, when I looked back on that, we did most of the things I thought and it's not to sound like arrogant or anything, but like you can feel like I, I know what we're going to do. I have total yeah. certainty. I know what we're going to do. I know we're going to set it up, but it's just, it's not going to, you're always going to doubt you. People are going to question you. And if you can't get everyone behind you, like it's never going to work. Right. So what are, you know, for the people that are transitioning into a sales leadership role for the first time, what do you think are the common mistakes that are made? Um, I think that they're so, so first of all, one of the things I mentioned earlier, right. Is to think about why are you moving into this role? Um, are you moving to this role? Cause you think you deserve it. Are you moving to this role because you think you can help other people and like, or, or are you moving just like, I don't know. Cause I'm, I'm, I just want to progress in my career. So 
isn't being a manager the next step from being a salesperson? Like, by the way, it's not like it doesn't need to be. So I think so. Again, if you're moving in that role, like really kind of ask yourself, like, why, why do I want this? Or why am I moving into it? Am I interested in helping other people? Am I trying to progress? Like what, what's going on? So um, the, the main thing I, I would tell them is understand that the purpose of your role is to make other people better. And um, that's that's first of all. Second of all is um, is to um, listen, like just like I said earlier, like make sure you really listen and understand how other people operate and how they function because the way that you tick isn't necessarily the way that they tick. And you've got to understand each person's like motivations, what drives them. And again, what might seem a lot of times people who are very strong sellers and they move into the management ranks, like they don't realize how good they are or things they do that are natural to them that are unnatural to others. Right. And so the more you get to know people and you learn like, geez, like the way that I prospect, the way that I write a proposal, the way that I ask questions seems so obvious to me because they're natural, right. but they're not to other people. And so you have to figure out how do I attempt to like codify like my skill set, and I can teach people them, but it's not like, the Bob way is the way like you can't be like my way is the way like everyone's got their methods and you realize it's so I would say those are those are a few of the few of the main things I, I'd suggest the other thing I would say is to I think first time managers um, think that like I want to be very close with my team and it is important but it's always like trying to balance like the you know the 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 friend versus manager relationship like you've got to be close but I I've just seen so many failures of you know, you try to be, try to really just be friends and it just doesn't work. And it doesn't mean like you can't have a wonderful relationship and spend no. time together and dine together and play golf together and hang out together. But like, there still has got to be a, there's just a difference. And I think too many yep. people first coming into it, try to be everybody's friend. Right. And like, it just, you lose sight of things and it makes, it makes it difficult to make decisions. Yeah. That was a mistake I made early on in my career where Everybody I just does. said, Hey, I'll be a great guy. And everything's going to be awesome, mm -hmm. and boom, right on my face. Um, yeah, so there is definitely obviously, obviously a very well-intentioned thing, but you know, yeah. just yep, you have to have that line. Um, talk about your transition from salesperson to sales leader, and and then after that, from you know being a CRO, it's very different from being a VP of sales. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk about that? Those differences. Yeah. So I think I kind of touched on that transition from salesperson to sales manager. And then when you kind of move to the, you know, more the VP and then the, the CRO. So I would say, so the, I mean, the big difference of course, is like you're, you're helping coach and develop individual contributors. Then you move up to like, now you're trying to help leaders be good managers. And then if you go up, you kind of, now you're trying to help leaders be good leaders. You know, so um, that's kind of, that's kind of the difference. So I, I would say in particular, you know, moving into more of a managing and managing managers kind of a role, um, you know, it's, it's how do you, now you're setting more of the strategy and the vision for how do I want to go to market? So when you're managing a sales team, larger what you're doing is like, okay, I'm just trying to help coach and develop these people to like make deals happen and work through the pipeline, the whole thing. When you go up to the next step, step which could be a VP of sales or even a CRO level, you're now you're defining like, how do I want to go to market? So like, which markets should we go after? What products should we be selling? Um, how should we be positioning the company? What type of people do we want to have on our staff? 
what metrics are we going to use to manage the company? Like, how do I work directly with operations to make sure we're all in sync about how things happen? So, right. so you're just you're taking a much wider view of the company and the market. Yeah. Um, you know, not just like I got. I'm just trying to manage a, a group of a group of salespeople. So that's yeah. kind of the big difference, and that's hard. I mean, because like you know, I struggle with it sometimes too. Like, I just want to get in the weeds. I want to get in the middle of a project, um, and that's fine. Um, one of the things that I think can be you know, is a it can be a slippery slope is like. When you move into like a say the VP or or SC whatever level that might be, is that doesn't mean you're not still in the or still in the middle of a project. Mm-hmm. Like I think a lot of times a manager moves into the manager ranks, you're like I miss selling, I miss being in the middle of it. It's like well then you're maybe not doing it right um, because you should feel like you're in the middle of projects. Like every mm-hmm. once in a while, like go to a meeting, like call a customer, sit in, a, you know, uncover new opportunities yourself, like. Like you should, like you can get in the middle of a project and really very closely, like figure out how to negotiate, how to coach the salesperson, how to, how to win it. And like that gets your, those sales juices going that I think a lot of people move into management feel like they miss, but yeah. like that should not go away. Like right. you, if you, the, the, and if it's going away, you're, you're, you're too distant. You've got to be like, I talk to all of our direct salespeople like uh, on a weekly basis, like. Because I want to know what's going on, and sometimes I find a way that I can help them out. It's not about going around the manager. It's like, no, I got to stay in touch. And sometimes I uncover something that's like, then I can go to the manager and say, hey, I just observed this. I thought you should be aware. You know, it's something to work on with that salesperson, or I, you know, just helped kind of eliminate an obstacle that wouldn't have otherwise been there. Right. I think what you said that really resonates with me in terms of, um, I know as as a vendor, you know, we implement CRM. Um, one of our keys to success, and we actually write this into our contracts, is that we want C-level participation in the project because it's so strategic to what companies are doing. I think a lot of uh, uh, people, when they get into the, the upper levels of management, they think, oh, I have to be hands off and let my people run everything. And I, I get that to a point, but you still, like you said, you have to be involved, you know, but that doesn't mean you have to go in and move all the chairs around. You know? No, you can't, you can't take over, you know, like, so, you know, one of the things I tell a, a frontline managers is to say, you know, um, for in certain situations with certain salespeople, like join their sales meetings because sometimes like, or their meetings with customers, because there's like two different scenarios. Sometimes you're in there to say, I'm going to, I need to take over this meeting, like, because either the customer wants it or it'll make them feel more valued or I I just don't think they're doing it right. So like I'm taking over and like, you hate when that happens, but like, you can't be afraid of like, sometimes that's going to happen. Other times it's, you go in and like my, your only purpose there is to coach the salesperson. So I will very often like sit in a meeting and, you know, the customer knows I'm there and I might, you know, chime in here and there and, you know, but my, my, the notes that I'm taking are not about, okay, how do we win this project? That's a little bit of it, but it's like, okay, how did they open the meeting? What did they say? Like, how do they look on the camera? Like, where are they sitting in the room? Like what, que- oh, okay. That, what questions are they asking? Like I'm it's, it's, a, it's more like I'm kind of above the room kind of analyzing like, Hey, you know, I'll, and after I'll be like, Hey, can I give you some feedback? Like, so my purpose in the room, like, yeah, I have maybe a couple little things about the project or how we pitched it, but my purpose there is to coach the per, the salesperson, and that's what I'm doing in the room, not like getting myself in the middle of the project. Right, right. That's true. We have to know like 
what am I here for? And you tell oh, yeah. them, hey, I'm going to be on the call because the client wants me here and we're trying to negotiate or something or we're trying to present or nope, I'm just sitting in to give you some coaching. Yep. Do you find it hard to stifle yourself when you're in those meetings? To, uh, oh, um, uh, I think I've learned how to do it, but like, I know what to mean. So yeah, I'd say early on for sure. I mean, I, you know, I, it's, so again, it comes back to like understanding like what your purpose is. Your purpose is there to help develop other people. Right. So um, the thing is like, you got to learn how to, how to not take over um, and know when you have to versus like, ah, I got to let them do it. Like no, no sales leader is going to let a person just fail and right. like lose something over it. But like, it just, you gotta, it's, it's a gray line. You know, you just gotta figure out how to, you know, not take over. And, you know, sometimes it is a good to take over and be like, why here, I watch this. So I'm going to do this. Okay. After what'd you think? Did you see what I did there? You know, sometimes that's okay. But. Yep. Do you prep, how do you prep your team for that? That were they comfortable? Like, you know, how do you do that? For, well, I'm sorry, for which part? How do you prep your team that, Hey, I'm going to sit in on this meeting. Um, you know, so where they feel comfortable and they're still going to perform. So, so I think the, the key is like, the more you do it, obviously the more comfortable they get. I mean, of course, the first time I sit in a meeting with someone, they're going to be nervous. Why are you here? Like, what does this mean? Like what's going to happen? But the more you do it, the more comfortable they get. Um, So, uh, I mean, the, the, what I do is I just, you know, we talk in advance, like, okay, we're preparing for this meeting. Like, what's the goal of the meeting? What are we going to accomplish? And I'll ask them like, what role do you want me to play? And so, you know, often I'll tell someone is like, you're the quarterback, like you're running this deal. I don't run this deal. Like I, I might have a big title, but like, it's your project, your customer, like what role do you want me to play? And so I'll encourage you to like, pull me in, like pull me in. Just even if you just want my title in the room, cause it'll make the customer feel better. I'll be there. Like you, you're, you know what you're doing as well as I do, but like sometimes it's valuable. So we just talk like, what do you want my role to be? Do you just want me, do you want me to pitch part of it? Part, you know, some of it because the customer would want to hear, or maybe you just think I'm really good at pitching this part of it. So take advantage of it. Great. I don't care. It's nothing against you. Like it's, that's smart. It's like, you're taking advantage of your resources. Oh yeah. Um, so, so that, that's kind of the thing. And then, you know, I'll ask them like, all right, I'll, you know, I'll, people here like have learned, like what I'll do is I'll, I'll be quiet. Um, and then I will pitch in if I think something needs to be pitched in, or I'll ask questions, which is kind of where I tend to do, tend to do a lot. Um, that's kind of the role to take, but other times it, you know, it's very careful. Like, no, this is what I want your role to be specifically. And, you know, we just, we just work on that together. I also, I think it's important also to know what your strength is. Like, yeah. like, I think I'm really good at listening and on, and like reading between the lines. And so, and also like noticing, like, I don't think we have them kind of their attention or I don't think something's going on. So someone say, Hey, my, like you focus on your pre- presenting, I'm going to be looking for like, people's reactions and do I think that you've lost them? Do I, you know, so I might play that role just to keep them engaged. So a lot of times people are like, yeah, that's what I want you to do, do here so that I can do one thing or the other. Yeah. So let's switch and talk about CRM. When it comes to CRM, do you love it or do you hate it? Um, I, I, well, I love it. I think, cause I think overall it's critical. I mean, it's, it's, I I would never say I hate it. You know, just, um, it just, you know, it can get a bit frustrating at times in terms of everyone using it correctly. But um, right. no, I think it's I think it's absolutely business critical, and you just you have to have to use it, and have to figure out a way to make it work. Right. What do you think? What's been your biggest struggle with CRM over your career? Has there been a common theme around CRM? Um, yeah, I would say buy-in for you know on adoption. Like so, 
you know, getting, you know, getting the salespeople to understand like the right way to use it, why they need it, you know, doing it consistently. Um, because it becomes difficult if you're trying to manage the business around numbers and some of the numbers aren't there, you know, right. that gets complicated. So I was, and, and, you know, I know, I mean, I ran a business where we worked with some of the biggest companies in the world and they were dealing with adoption issues. So, you know, mm -hmm. not an uncommon thing, but that's definitely, that's the, that's the main one. And one of the tips we provide our customers are is, you know, is to have a why when you're talking with that front end and it could be a variety of whys. Um, and sometimes it's different by the individual. How do you communicate the why uh, to your team? Mm -hmm. So I, I say, so, well, first of all, um, the, the reason we have that is we have to have a CRM. We have to have a single system that manages all of our customer and prospect data. Like that's just any kind of modern company has to have it. It's the plumbing of the sales organization and our customer and our customer. So that's kind of the first is like, it's a, it's a, yep. it's a non-starter. We have to have that. Um, the other thing is like, in order to effectively manage the business, like we need metrics to manage around, understand meetings and pipeline and where the leads are coming from and how that translates to close rate. Like we just need that to manage the business. When it comes to the salesperson um, is that, is that for you, like, sometimes might feel like there's certain things that I don't know why I'm doing this exactly, but um, that is if you use the CRM effectively, it will allow you to manage your business, your, your business better, your business defined as like your territory or group of accounts. Like for example, if you don't have a CRM system, how do you know the last time that you contacted customer, you know, 137 on your list? Like you're not doing it from your notebooks or your memory. Like, I'm sorry, you're just no one's that smart. So like the ability to know like, okay, here's my accounts. How do I organize and prioritize what I want to go after? You know, how often I want to stay in touch with them, having a system to kind of know, have I called them? When's the last conversation? When's the last time I even tried to reach out to somebody? Managing all that is just so important. So as a salesperson, if you want to effectively man and optimize your territory or your sales account list, whatever it might be, you have to have a system to manage that, which is here's my accounts, here's when I contact them, here's when I talk to them, here's my opportunities, here's what I've won. Like you need a system to do that. You have to. Yeah. Um, and if you don't, like you're just you're you're gonna you're gonna. It's not that you're gonna fail as a salesperson, but you're not optimizing what's possible. Right, right. I think another big part of it is when we talk with with the frontline salespeople is the looking at what you've lost and capturing that information. And then over time, being able to go back and look at that and analyze those lost deals. Mm -hmm. And where are we seeing those, those patterns or the commonalities between these deals we're losing? And what can I change or adapt so that I convert those losers, uh, those losses into wins in the future? Definitely. No doubt. What do, how do you guys, uh, uh, you know, when you're working with your team, what do you do to, to uh, help them with the losses and learn from those losses? Um, so one thing uh, um, that I like to do is a is win, uh, win and loss analysis. So, um, you know, I don't do this regularly enough, but it's, it's like maybe once or twice a year where mm -hmm. we'll sit down with either a bunch of salespeople or individuals and be like, okay, let's talk through like the loss, like what happened? Like, so you walk through wins, like, why do we win it? Where to come from? You know, what was the critical inflection point that told you we won the project? Like just those are the basics. Yep. Uh, but then uh, to also be analyzing the losses. Okay. Where'd the lead come from? Um, why, like, what's your explanation for why we lost? Um, was there a point in the sales process where your instincts told you we were going to lose it? 
Um, when was that and why was that? Um, and then in retrospect, is there anything, what, what could we have done different that would have flipped it the other way? Not saying we should have or we're going to, but like, you know, what would have been the thing? And it might be like, well, yeah, I maybe should have brought this person in or, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's pricing. Maybe it's, you know what, I, I was afraid to go around my contact to the senior contact because I thought I'd get in trouble, but I lost the deal. So now like, you know, what, <laughs> nothing to lose. So that's, that, that's kind of a process that I like, I like to follow. That's great. And if you don't have a CRM, you're not capturing that information, you you're not going to have a very good retrospective. Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. Bob, we're coming up on our time here on Sales Lead Dog. I really appreciate you coming on the show. If, if the people want to reach out and connect with you, learn more about Blue Water, what's the best way for them to do that? So LinkedIn, of course, right? So you can always find me on LinkedIn. Um, there's LinkedIn at Bob Marsh 5, but you can just look me up there. Um, and then uh, bluewatertech.com is our website. You know, so reach out, you know, reach out either way. Yeah, well, it's been great talking to you. You've really uh, fed a great career and some terrific insight you shared with us today. I really appreciate it. Great, well, thank you, Chris. Appreciate the time. As we end this discussion on Sales Lead Dog, be sure to subscribe to catch all our episodes. On social media, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Watch the videos on YouTube. And you can also find our episodes on our website at impellercrm.com forward slash sales lead dog. Sales Lead Dog is supported by Impeller CRM, delivering objectively better CRM for business, guaranteed.